podcast disclaimer. This podcast is not intended for all audiences, and you may find the content disturbing. We will be talking about murders, crimes, and violence. So if you are sensitive to any of these topics, you may want to skip this episode or possibly the entire podcast. everyone and welcome back to the Talking Murder with My Mother podcast. I'm your host Sonia and this is my mother. Hello! And there's my mother. And uh, Ma, I forgot on our last episode to tell people who I was. I told them you're the mother but I didn't tell them who I was so that's pretty funny. Uh, I try, I'm trying not to forget like uh, certain things, saying certain things, doing certain things but you'll have to excuse the menopause people uh it's making me a little bit whacked out in the brain okay so before we start this the episode ma i just want to say something about my friend lou uh my friend lou created a website it's called depression dash you are not alone.com on twitter it's at underscore I mean, I'm sorry, at depression underscore Y-R-N-A. And on Facebook, you can just for look for depression Y-R-N-A. It's a mental wellness site. It's really awesome stuff. You know, they got, you know, just group category boards, forums. You know, um, if you need somebody to talk to, somebody to chat with, it's, uh, it's awesome. You should go check it out. And it uh, has to do with what we're pretty much talking about, right, Ma? Mental wellness, mental health, sometimes these cases. Well... You know, it's it's apropos for the times, of course, because there are a lot of people who, uh, you know, have done very well with the pandemic and have found outlets for their frustration. Um, but other people, unfortunately, uh, have not been that lucky. And um, uh, we understand that, you and I, because we have someone in our family and uh that it's it's um it's painful it's painful it's hurtful it's sometimes not understood and uh, and yeah it's um like i said it's apropos for the times there are a lot of people having a lot of issues a lot of problems and uh this would be a i will be listening i will definitely be you know i'll be listening to anything and everything because even if you're you're not going through that you probably have someone who is and um it's always good to have somewhere to go and someone to listen to and someone to offer ideas and sure absolutely so we're talking about depression today uh i i don't know if it's necessarily depression i i it it has to do with mental illness of some sort i i can't pin it down for you because let's see uh 1915 so i i can't really ask <laughs> uh no. i can't really ask um but uh yeah let's talk about it so today i have the story of monroe lee 1915 okay so here we go all right so uh september 17th 1915 i only have I only have two articles. One's a little bit longer. This is the, I mean, there were, there were other shorter articles, but they, they all said the same thing as these. So I, I'm not going to just read a whole bunch of articles that say the same thing, uh, unless they have a little bit of a different, you know, something to add to the story. Meat and potatoes. Okay. So 
Vicksburg Evening Post, September 17th, 1915. The headline reads, Crazed Kills Self and Whole Family. This is going to be a real upper story, people. Yeah. (sighs) Father murdered wife and two little daughters. Shocking affair. So, it reads, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. When Miss Hattie Waldrop entered the home of her sister yesterday, she found a gruesome sight when she discovered her brother-in-law, Moreau M. Lee, her sister, Annie Waldrop Lee, and their two little girls, aged four and six years old, lying cold and stiff in death. Her find was made known to James J. Lee, father of Monroe, who hurried to McLaurin, a distance of five miles, and called Sheriff Harbison of this city and Coroner McKenzie, who made a speedy run for the scene of the tragedy. They found on arrival that the children had been killed by having their heads... Okay, let's stop. Trigger warning, people. This is dealing with deaths, but also children's deaths. So if you have an issue, you need to stop this podcast right now. And you need to fast forward to like the last 10 minutes so you can get the end of the story. Or stop listening altogether. Uh, Or just honestly, you got to just deal with it like I did. I've read this like 20 times now. All right. Um, They found on arrival that the children had been killed by having their heads almost severed with a pocket knife in the hands of their demented father. I don't know how many out there the listeners know. It is not easy to sever a head with a pocket knife. Know what I'm saying, Ma? Well, uh, pocket knife, no. Um, it's it's not easy because there's a lot of muscle. Um, Sinew? So, yeah. Um, very difficult. Very now, difficult. I'm not saying he didn't necessarily maybe, you know, we'll see, slit their throats first so they're dead before he's doing this, you know? This fucking sick shit. Uh, but a pocket knife. All right. They found that Mrs. Lee had met her death from a gunshot wound in the breast and wrist, the hand having been severed completely from the body. They found from all indications that Mr. Lee, after killing the members of his family, reloaded his single-barreled shotgun and then, after taking off one shoe, placed the muzzle of the gun in his mouth and caused it to discharge, blowing the entire top of his head off and scattering his brains over the entire room. Very colorful. He used his toe. He used his fucking toe. He used his toe. He shot his wife, right? And then he reloaded the single barrel shotgun. He takes off a shoe. He placed the muzzle in his mouth. So the, um, where you would actually pull the trigger is down by his feet. That's why he took off one shoe so that he could pull the trigger with his toe. Very, very, uh, interesting. (laughs) I mean, he was getting it done. Uh, Monroe, Emily, and Annie Waldrop were married at Epps, Mississippi, three miles from the scene of the tragedy nine years ago. For the past year or longer, Mr. Lee has been in very poor health, so much so that they rented their farm early this year to N.L. Seal and have spent this year at Clyde, Mississippi, in the home of Mrs. Lee's parents, where Lee has been under the constant care of physicians. Seal, having gathered his crop, uh, had vacated the Lee home, and the Lee family were spending last last night in the unfurnished home with only some quilts to sleep upon, it being the purpose of Mr. Lee to go to Clyde today to go get household effects. The jury of inquest impaneled 
to investigate the death of the four persons after deliberation found that the killing was done by Monroe M. Lee, who was insane at the time of the killing, the insanity being probably due to continued ill health. Mr. Lee was the son of James L. Lee and the brother to the young lady who recently brought suit against the Gulf and Ship Island Railroad Company for $10,000, alleging that the agent of said company at McLaurin attempted to kiss her when she went to his office on business. Okay, so there's like a whole little side thing where this guy's sister brought a lawsuit against the Gulf and Ship Island Railroad Company for $10,000 in 1915 because an agent of the company attempted to kiss her while she was in his office on business. That's bold. $10,000 lawsuit for trying to kiss the girl in the office? Well, I mean, those were the, the uh, first of all, $10,000 was a lot of money at that time. That's what I'm saying. That's uh, bold. That's a I mean, lot of money. Suing the Gulf and Ship Island Railroad Company, so I'm sure they had big bucks back then. So there's the Me Too movement. Was she wearing one of those hats? Probably. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that I have pictures of them, actually. I'll, I, I, I don't think I do. Uh, Mr. Lee, oh, sorry, the entire family will be buried in the same grave at the family graveyard today. So they have a family graveyard. Oh, hold on a second. Well, I mean, I guess if they're not Catholic, do you remember, I mean, if you committed suicide and you were Catholic, uh, you weren't allowed to be interred. Yeah, but remember a lot of these families in the South on their property had, or somewhere off the property had their own family graveyards, right? So it really didn't matter. So you were just going to be buried there. So apparently that's where they're going to be buried. And Mrs. Lee was about 20 years of age and Mr. Lee was 35. He was a member of a well-known family in this part of the state. And well, was well, stop, 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 stop. How old did you say she was? 20. And she had a child who was six? Yeah. Checking, you know, my 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 brain, my gray cells. Didn't you hear before when I said he was, she was, uh, they got married nine years ago. So if she's twenty, <laughs> and they got married, so, yeah, what? And she was eleven. Yeah, it's exactly. nineteen fifteen. I don't care. That's still eleven. I understand what you're saying, and I also understand that. He was 15 years older than her, which makes him 26. And she's still 11. Well, she was probably 12. She was pro- he, she's probably closer to 21 in here, and, and she was probably closer to 12. Not that it makes oh, it. My, <laughs> excuse me. That makes so much of a difference. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That it, and I, I'm, I'm saying he was a member of the well-known. We've talked about this so many times. He was a member of a well-known family in this part of the state. I mean. They probably were friends with her family, and this is all arranged. Like, oh, you have a son, I have a daughter. This is how it's going to go down. She's, but yes, she has a twelve. She has a six-year-old, which means she had a kid at fourteen. Now that's not weird for that time. That's less less weird, but still, like when, that's you, when not, you, yeah, that's not weird. Getting married at like fourteen, fifteen, and having a kid that wasn't no, weird. When, By the time you were twenty-three, you had like seven kids on the farm. When you when you said she was twenty, and then I suddenly remembered the age of the children. But you I forgot went, that I said that they got married nine years ago when they were when she was eleven. I was gonna I was gonna say at the end of this she was like eleven. Oh God! And again, it's nineteen fifteen. So like everybody listening, again, I'm not down with an eleven twelve year old with a twenty five year old. But at the same time, like you died when you were forty. 
in some instances, like you could die at any moment. You could die of consumption. You could die of the flu. You could die of, I mean, this shit, this is two years before the first, the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple of years before the Spanish flu. So, you know, they didn't even have that, that shit show yet. Uh, okay. So this is the other article that I, that I took. Uh, okay. So this one says it's the same date. September 17th, uh, so it says coroner's, oh, I'm sorry, Hattiesburg Daily News, September 17th, 1915. Coroner's jury finds that uh, McLaurin Farmer murdered whole family and then killed himself. Monroe, Emily, wife, and two babes to be buried near the scene of the tragedy this afternoon. Harbison and Mackenzie find that the man, while in mortal fear of starvation, cut throats of the two little girls, fired a charge of shot into the breast of wife, and then placing muzzle off gun to mouth, blew top of head off. That is the big, ta-da, huge, big thing. Now, my thing is, is that if, uh, oh, I mean, it was on the same day, so I guess, you know, one newspaper wasn't really looking at the other newspaper, but um, I'm just thinking, like, where the hell did these people get the starvation thing from? But here we go. So... In the presence of a crowd of more than 100 persons, the funeral of the victims of yesterday's tragedy enacted six miles from here were conducted this afternoon at 2 o'clock. The graves were made for the four victims of Monroe Emily, the, the two little girls each occupying a coffin of its own. Of its own, not of their own. It pisses me off how they used to write this stuff sometime. They're people. The two little girls, each occupying a coffin of its own, were buried in one grave. Lee and Mrs. Lee were buried in different ones, although all adjoined. We, the jury, impaneled to investigate the deaths of Monroe M. Lee, Annie Walthrop Lee, Florence Lee, and Mary Lee, find through a thorough investigation that Annie Walthrop Lee, Florence Lee, and Mary Lee met the deaths at the hands of Monroe Lee and that Monroe M. Lee took his own life. That's quote-unquote. The verdict returned late yesterday afternoon by the six men Sheriff Harbison selected to probe the gruesome tragedy, cleared away all the mystery, which for a day surrounded the lonely cottage in the woods six miles from McLaurin, where a whole family had been slaughtered. The father insane and possessed for months with the fatal hallucination that he and the entire family eventually would starve to death had slashed the throats of his two little daughters, shot his wife to death with a shotgun, and then put the muzzle in his own mouth and pulled the trigger with the toe of his right foot. So, again, fatal hallucinations of starvation. However, he comes from one of the most well-to-do families on that side of the state. Well, I mean, if you're not well it doesn't matter whether you were one of the wealthiest families in the state if his mind was not in the right place i mean he was having he was he was having hallucination he was he was delusional i mean so obviously there was something wrong with him i mean he again he wasn't going to be diagnosed in 1915 but i'm sure he had some kind of who knows? I mean, again, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I I wouldn't I don't claim to be, but I mean, there was definitely something wrong with his head. I mean, right. uh, he's I was going to say he's a family annihilator, but usually family annihilators don't kill themselves. They annihilate their families, but they right. don't. Like that famous case, do you remember that famous case where John he Lewis. Yes, thank you. The very famous case and come to find out that of course, he didn't. He killed Thanks his whole to family. Wanted. Yeah, the the funny part is when they did. Do you remember they did that bust? That that person that did the bust and said, "Let me try to age him," and he did 
an absolutely almost- It was perfect. It was perfect. It was- and then his neighbors are like, hey, that looks like our neighbor. That can't be right. And the mother's looking at it, the kid, the kid's looking at it, and he's like, oh, that looks like the neighbor. And the mother's like, holy shit, that really does look like the neighbor. And good goddamn if it wasn't John fucking List. And you know what? If you don't know the story of John List, you should go and listen to some other podcast about it, or go and read a book about it, even better, go and read a book about it, or listen to an audio book, because you know what the most fucked up part of that case is? He kills all of his fucking kids, he kills his fucking wife, he, he was a fucking weirdo to begin with. He kills his mom, leaves no, mom. I think it was his mother-in-law, wasn't it? No, his mm-hmm. mother. No, his mother, and she was living with them because she had helped them purchase that house. And that was one of the conditions of her living in the house. That she would help them pay for it and the mortgage and all that if she could live there. It's his mom. And then what does he do? He kills them all and he leaves and he goes on with his merry life. And all because he tells the cops, oh, I just, I couldn't make the ends meet. You know, we were living above our means and it was just easier for all of us to die, you know, and go to heaven together. But you didn't kill yourself, asshole. And then guess what you find out? The chandelier, chandelier. in the damn fucking dining room would have taken care. It's like a Tiffany chandelier or some shit. It would have, it's worth so much fucking money, it would have paid all their bills and more. You fucking moron. Get an appraiser in your house before you murder your whole family for some bullshit reason. We're getting off topic, but for it was a bullshit reason. This guy was a fucking weirdo to begin with. He had weird parental relationships. You really need to, everybody, go find a goddamn podcast or a good book on John List. It's an interesting story. It's, it was but on, he, he's a piece of America's, shit. It was on America's Most Wanted. It was, it was, it was interesting i i i'm re- i was really always interested in that story and and how it came to be and it was just a yes we're getting off topic but it was just you know when we were talking about the annihilators um, yeah in his background if you go back if you go back and you read about his childhood and stuff it's like it's weird yeah, like that's 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 the same about the more recent one though the family annihilator, the one that killed the pregnant wife and the two little oh, girls. Chris Watts. Yeah. Another I mean, fucking piece of a, shit. Another, another, another uh, family annihilator, and uh, and honestly, like I, I don't understand why people just don't say, okay, uh, I'm getting a divorce, I'm going my own merry way, and it was, you know, for him, I, from my understanding, which I, I don't have much of, but that the fact that she told him, and he's the one that was having the affair, of course. Uh, she told him that I guess she figured it out that she was going to take he was she was going to take him for everything and going to take the girls. Uh, so you know why don't you just you know you don't want to be with her just get a divorce for God's sakes please. I mean it's not I, like we're I, talking about. I don't understand. I don't understand what would possess you to murder your children and your spe- uh, again. I I, I agree would with you. Look, just I would understand that. He might he might kill her. I get it that he might kill his wife. Uh, I I maybe could have understood that that he just couldn't take it anymore. But his own children that I just anyway off topic. I don't know if you have another story or was that the end of this? No, one, that's or? not the end. No, no, that's not the end. Okay, hold on. 
So Lee's two-bedroom cottage is at least four miles from any public road. That's pretty fucked up. Like, you got to drive four miles from the public road to get out there. That's the distance. Um, he was a homesteader on it and within 10 months would have proved his claim and owned the place. It is six miles southeast of McLaurin, and for the greater part of the distance, there is no road. The traveler, I'm just, this is like in the newspaper. This is giving an example of how this was, where they lived at the time. So the traveler must pick his way through trees, stumps, and bushes. No neighbor lives within a mile in any direction. The little cottage, the few acres that it had been tilled, and a few flowers in the front yard were the only evidence that man had ever penetrated to the point of land, which just back of the house merged into a swamp. Thus secluded from all the world, the man's insanity reached its zenith, and leaving the world only the bloody knife and shotgun to tell the story, the young pioneer sent himself and all he loved into the great beyond. Okay. So this is like... Oh, he's he was probably, who knows, he was probably schizophrenic. I, I don't know. I mean, they don't really... So far, they haven't said anything about his, uh, you know, nature up until this point, or if he's done anything. Well, you know, imagine so far, he's he's living out in the boonies. Well, he's living uh, out in the boonies not- because it's 1915 in Mississippi. Well, again, living out in the boonies at a he's time a, where you quote unquote homesteader. He's he he doesn't. You're not going to go to a doctor. Uh, there there would be would have been no such thing at that time. Uh, not not for Doctor, that anyway. Doctors like in the town, and the and the road is like four miles away. The town might be like twenty miles away. He could, I mean, and he. Oh wait a minute! Doctors is probably not gonna wait. diagnose it. Hold on, it said it over here. It's like six miles. They live like six miles from town. And again. A town doctor would be able to, if he cut himself, to sew him up or, or you know, diagnose him if he had, you know, the croup or if he had something else, maybe, if he was lucky. But there were no psychiatrists. And oh, no. This, this doctor would have probably, uh, you know, I'm not even going to say misdiagnose him, but he wouldn't even know what to do with him. What was he going to oh, do no. with him? Most likely not. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are psychiatrists, but there's no psychiatrist probably in this area or anywhere for tens of God knows how many miles. Yeah, this um, is a, a Pohonk ta- a town. I yeah. mean, let's get well, real. Well, it just told you that it backs up, their property backs up into a swamp. Well, so well, there, you go. there you go. So, all right. So let's see. So what does it say? Okay. The, tr- the tragedy discovered. The tragedy was enacted between daylight and sunup yesterday morning, but news of it did not reach Sheriff Harbison's offices until after one o'clock in the afternoon. Mrs. Doc Walters, the murdered woman's sister, made the discovery. She had gone to visit her sister, but before reaching the front door, she was horrified to see a pool of blood on the gallery, which had flowed out from the living room. She left the gallery, went to the window on the side of the house, and saw the entire family lying on the floor motionless. I didn't know whether they were all dead or not, Mrs. Walters told the coroner's jury, and I didn't want to see. I was too shocked. I just went back home as fast as I could to let somebody else know about it. There are no telephones in the neighborhood of Lee's Cottage. The nearest is at McLaurin, and the news was slow in reaching that point. It was after 1 o'clock when Sheriff Harbison answered the phone in the sheriff's office in Hattiesburg and was told that the whole family had been slaughtered. An automobile was summoned at once, and Sheriff Harbison, I mean... The sheriff has a car. It's probably one of those Ford T models. You know what I'm saying? 
I don't know if you got to crank it up, but it's not moving very. I mean, it's probably moving fast, but it, they're that far away. It's again, th- this phone call got to them at one o'clock. It happened between daylight and sunup. Uh, I mean, fuck. Shit, news is really not traveling fast. Um, an automobile was summoned at once, and Sheriff Harbison, Coroner Frank McKenzie, and a representative of the of, and a representative of the news boarded the automobile. Okay, so again, it's 1915, and into the car when they get the call at the sheriff's department, it's the sheriff jumps in the car, the coroner jumps in the car, and the newspaper reporter jumps in the car. Well, it's kind of a, you know, it does a triple duty, you know. It's yeah. like, why waste gas? Yeah, seriously. Okay, so they uh, boarded the automobile, and then, like, the newspapers are really, really old, so they kind of get uh, cut up or blacked out, but it says they boarded the automobile and rushed to the little cottage, and then it's, like, blacked out, blacked out, and then it says, found three neighbors of the dead family, Walter Sullivan, M. Raspberry, I love that that, last, that man's last name is actually Raspberry, I love that, M. Raspberry, and D.P. Newman standing guard. The room where the killing had occurred had not been entered, the men refusing to allow the door to be opened until the officers arrived. Okay, and then just so you can see, Mom, there's like a, you see that black thing there? That's like a piece of tape that somebody put on the newspaper article so it blacks out some of it. So it says, both doors bolted. Both the doors entering the cottage were bolted, but the cor- coroner McKenzie forced the latch on one of them so that when they entered and beheld the grim spectacle, Huddled together in one corner of the floor as they had slept were the two girls and their mother. Because remember, there was no furniture in the house yet because they had just come back to the property and they were only going to get the furniture the next day. So in the corner were uh, the two little girls and their mother. The body of the father was but a few feet away. On the floor was a bloodstained knife with a blade about four inches long and a double barrel shotgun. Nearby was an empty shell and in the chamber of the gun was another. Uh, None of the four bodies was attired in night robes but the mother and the children were barefooted and had loosened their clothing for the night's rest. The man, on the other hand, was dressed except that one shoe was off. Because he needed his toe. Have you ever have you ever seen some of these shows where they try to prove that someone's committed suicide and they try to do all kinds of, mm-hmm. you know, how long does your arm have to be? Mm-hmm. And, and but, So this is, this is, I mean... What he did, I mean, he must be really, <laughs> um, I don't even know what the word would be. <laughs> that I mean, I, I can actually pick, pick up a cloth and, with, with, my, with my toes, with my feet. I've, I've gotten used to doing that since I was very, very young. It's kind of a weird yeah, thing. I can do it like too. In yeah. the shower, when I have the little cloth and it'll fall in, like I have a face cloth and it'll fall down. I don't pick it up with my hands. I pick it up with, with either one of my feet, which is, like, really strange. So he must have been, like, really – I mean, how does one learn how to do that? I mean – I've seen I, it. I've seen it. I've seen it before. I saw it. With feet? A gun? Yeah. A, oh, yeah, a shotgun. It has, a shotgun to be, I mean, it has to be a shotgun. It has to be, yeah. like uh, – uh, for the most part, that's all I've ever heard or seen. I'm sure there's other – other right type of rifles that maybe you could do it with. I'm not a gun expert, but I all the times that I've seen or heard of it being done, it's yeah, it's uh, it's usually the feet and or or they tie a string to it so that they can put it down right on the ground and put the barrel up 
into their face and mouth or mouth and then pull the string and it pulls the trigger. But yeah, you have to be pretty, you know, it's, it's, I mean, to, it, to in the moment, hey, sorry guys, you know, to in the moment think that you're actually considering doing this, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, he could have just put the gun to his head and blown himself away. He could have not killed his fucking family. And wow. when you're delusional, Sonia, uh, those, those, it was again, like list. He, he, although again, he didn't kill himself. He killed the rest of the family, but his thing was, uh, he couldn't, he couldn't. Oh, they're going to suffer. They're going to make, they can't make do with what I'm doing. And so in this case, this guy, his thing was, uh, you know, he was. We'll all go together. He, he didn't under, and, and a lot of times that's what it is, right? They, they, they think that, uh, you know, if they're not here, you know, you can't suffer anymore. But the question is from point A to point B where they're alive and then they're not, I mean, I'm sorry. Um, they do suffer. Barring barring you drugging them and then killing them, but that's probably not the case here. And and you saw that they buried them from one day to the next. So obviously there was no autopsy. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know. There doesn't need to be. Well, <clears throat> that's not true. They were brought. The coroner was brought in, and their bodies were moved somewhere. So wherever they keep bodies at that time in that area in Hattie's, where was it? Hattiesburg, I guess. So yeah, I, but they, I mean, they couldn't have they couldn't have taken the bodies there because they they were they were weren't they buried the next day? Yeah, but remember their home their homestead is not where the family cemetery is. Well, nonetheless, I mean it's it's sad to say the least. Um, okay, so here we go. So again, another little trigger warning. If you don't want to hear it, stop listening. All right, the meaning because I'm about to talk about the nitty gritty of what happened in the funeral. Okay. The meaning of it all was not difficult to guess. Lee's mind had been pecul uh, peculiarly affected earlier in the spring. During the past few months, he seemed to have recovered, but at intervals he would lapse into a state of melancholy. Thus affected, uh, While thus affected, he imagined that he and his family would starve to death. Since early spring, he had been working at Clyde and returned to his homestead place only Wednesday morning. He had brought neither food, furniture, nor clothing with him. A skillet at the fireplace with a few grains of burnt popcorn in it indicated that this had been the only food at the family supper the evening before. Popcorn. Okay. The bareness of the place, the solitude, the loneliness, the absence of friends or food, no doubt, played their part in bringing back the old melancholy. Again, the man believed this time, stronger than ever, that he, his wife, and his children were doomed to starvation. Death by the knife and the gun seemed better to him. He made up his mind. Rising before his wife and family had awakened, he quietly, swiftly thrust the blade of his knife into the throats of his children up to the handle and cut them ear to ear. The children evidently never knew what happened to them, for the position of their body suggested at once the position of a child assumes when sleeping. It is evident, however, that the wife did not die without a struggle. Whether that struggle occurred before or after the slaying of the children, no one can say. You'll have to excuse me if you hear a little peepee -pee noise in the background. This is the moment where my little chihuahua decided to pee on a puppy pad. Sorry, everybody. So if you heard that, that's what that noise is. All right. Um, hi. 
The fact that the woman's right hand was shot off by the same shell that entered her body and ended her life indicated that she had placed that hand over the muzzle of the gun in the last de desperate effort to save herself. A little pool of blood several feet away from any of the bodies led uh, Coroner McKenzie to believe that the woman had been shot there and had lived long enough to crawl up beside her children to die. While his wife and babies disposed with his wife and babies disposed of, Lee set about to end his own life. He might have used the knife that lay within a within a few feet of him, uh, stained with the blood of his children. But the gun was sure, and the man chose the more certain, though more difficult, method. He reloaded the gun, removed the shoe and sock from his right foot, placed the butt of the gun on the floor and the muzzle in his mouth, and with the great toe of his bare foot, pulled the trigger. He fell backwards, striking his head against the door. The top of his head was almost blown off. Like I said, just not this is not a good time i and for hit is for her sister to come a knocking at the door and have like a pool of blood coming from the front door out of the house jesus christ i can't even imagine and then looking through the window all right the news of the tragedy had spread so slowly that when sheriff harbison and coroner mckenzie reached there in the mid-afternoon there were not enough men there to make up a coroner's jury of six as required by law at the time. Others were sent for, and when the jury was sworn in, it was composed of P.E. Williamson, G.W. Shadows, D.H. Revises, H.W. Tyndall, T.T. Dean, and J.R. Shadows. The, oh, just as a little side note, because they do this all the time with the G.W., the D.H., the H.W., it makes it so fucking difficult to find these people when you're looking for them in the newspaper, you know, in the... In the ancestry and newspapers and stuff you have to like guess like is gw george william you know is uh p.e philip or is it peter you don't know it's it's such a you know this is the good one jr shadows who how many people have the last name shadows you know what i mean well no that would make mr it, that shadows would, that would make it easier right if the the last name is not so common yeah like p.e williamson not not gonna find that guy as easy as i'm gonna find jr shadows okay all right, so the jury first examined the mute testimony in the room. Then they questioned Doc Walters, who had talked with Lee that afternoon before and who was the last man to see him and Mrs. Walters, who had discovered the body. J.D. Lee, father of the dead man, identified the knife and gun as his son's. He said he didn't know his son had had his gun with him. And then it says, funeral today. Ramsey, the undertaker, arrived at the scene via automobile shortly after the officers had reached there. The bodies were turned over to him. And he, see, there goes my thing again. He took them to McLaren. See, Mom? So, uh, there you go. The undertaker had to come and take them back to McLaren, and McLaren is like six miles away. So, four coffins were sent down on this morning's Gulf and Ship Island Express train. So, that's the same company that this guy's sister is suing. Uh, um, the uh, it, the more the four coffins were sent down on this morning's Gulf and Ship Island Express train, and the funeral services will be conducted this afternoon at McLaurin. Interment. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing McLaren McLaurin wrong. You people from Mississippi, where I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Interment will be in McLaren in the McLaren Cemetery. It was said at first that the four bodies would be buried in one grave, but this idea was abandoned this morning, and four coffins were ordered. J.D. Lee, father of the dead man, refused to enter the house where the tragedy occurred. 
He said, quote, I have been blessed with 14 children. He wept, and Monroe is the first one to die, and I don't want to see any of them. It's too hard, and I'm too old to stand it. Except for the four bodies sprawled out on the floor, the house is practically empty. It is a two-bedroom hut, one large room opening by two doors onto a front gallery, and a lean-to kitchen in the rear. The bodies were all at one end of the large room. At the other end was the fireplace with the single skillet and the few grains of the parched popcorn. The bed on which the family had slept was made of some straw and a few quilts spread on the floor. On the walls was a picture of Judge Paul B. Johnson with the caption, Let the People Rule. That was all. There was no furniture of any kind. In the lean-to, which evidently had been used for a kitchen, a man's coat hung on the wall and a man's felt hat was on the shelf. There was a cook stove, but no stove pipe connected, connecting it to the flue. Half a dozen boiled sweet potatoes were in a pan on the stove, but they appeared to have been cooked for several days and probably had not been a part of the family supper the night before. One could not have picked a more deserted-looking, lonely cottage in which, in which to have enacted such a tragedy. Monroe was 35 years old. Miss Lee. Mrs. Lee. Ready? Ready? So this is why I love newspapers. M Mrs. Lee, who was formerly Miss Annie Walthrop was 27. Okay, so they screwed it up. So I actually have their, I, I know how old they really are. So I'll tell you who screwed what up. Florence, the older girl, was six. Marie, the baby, was not quite five. Friends of the dead man declared that there is no reason for his persistent dread of starvation. He had been in ill health, but that was improving, if not quite restored. He had received a fair education and in his earlier years had spent consider a considerable time studying law. It had been his intention to enter the practice of this profession, but that idea was abandoned several years ago. In addition to the homestead place where the killing took place, Lee had another farm near that of his father. His circumstances could not be called comfortable, but he was making a living. He was well liked by the entire neighborhood. He didn't have an enemy in the world, his neighbors declared. His relations with his wife, they declared, had been devoted throughout the nine years of their life. So, again, owns one farm, owns another farm, family's well-to-do, thinks he's going to starve for some strange, unexplicable reason. And hold on one second so that I can do the share screen for Mother. Mother, you can see my screen? I can see me. Excellent. Now you can see this. Oh, there we go. Martin. Martin. Yeah, I'm showing my mother. It is the gravestone for the Lee family. It's a big cross. I'll put pictures of it up like I always do. It's a big cross, and it says Lee. It's really pretty, actually. It's yes. I mean, it's really dirty, and it needs to be cleaned very, very badly. Um, but it's it's quite beautiful. It is beautiful, and um, it it actually says on the thing it says uh, spouse R Annie Lee, and then it says children girl Lee girl Lee. It doesn't even say their names, Florence and Marie, which kind of sucks. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's Monroe Martin Lee's gravestone. And then if you go here and you go to the bio and you click here, it says 
birth and death dates from certificates of death, courtesy of SMGHS, Forest County Marriage Records, M.M. Lee and R.A. Waldrop. And I am still trying to find these death certificates because I cannot get my hands on them. But remember, the father, <clears throat> the grandfather of the little girls that were murdered, he said that he had 12 children. Remember? 14. Or 14 children. Look here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen being Monroe, the guy that did this whole thing. Mm. So yeah, it kind of sucks. Like if you look at everybody else's deaths, you know, this was in nineteen fifteen. All his other kids died in like the fifties, sixties, thirties, a couple one in the twenties. 70s, you know, they lived pretty long lives, all of them. Did did you say you knew their real ages? Yep. So, Lee was born in 1915, which means that when he died, he was approximately, I mean, I'm sorry, no. he, was born in 18, he was born in 1877 and died in 1915, which makes him approximately 38 years old. Mm -hmm. And his wife, Annie Waldrop Lee was 21. Was born... 20 or 21, yeah. So she wasn't 27. Nope. She really was like 12 years old when they got married. Hmm. Now, I mean, and that's he a, was that's 38. A... So subtract nine years from 38. Even worse, he was like 29. Yeah, that's assuming that the the dates are right. Because you well, know how that I happens. go by these. I go by you know what it's. I mean, you're right. It, they could be wrong, but for me, I mean, these are their headstones, and if they were from decent families, from what they're saying in the newspapers, I don't know how the dates on the actual tombstones could be wrong. They could be. It's possible, but. That's well, why I want hold, to hold on a second. If you look on, on the left-hand side where it says R. Annie Lucindy Waldrop Lee, yep. like if you look on that little plaque, it says 1894, and then it says 1917. Mm -hmm. Well, that would be off if they're saying 1915, right? So that's why I'm saying sometimes these things are... And again, I mean... <laughs> If she was 21, I mean, that's sacrilege. Uh, I mean, technically, if she was 27, it wouldn't be so weird, I guess. But uh, either way, I mean, whatever way you splice it, it's uh, it's it's tragic, if nothing else. Because unfortunately, like we were talking about mental illness, I mean, even, even nowadays, uh, you know, a lot of people fall through the cracks. And, and, you know, it's, it's something that even to this day, people are, you know, there's this, this stigma, this, this thing uh, where, you know, you have to think of it as if, if you had, uh, you know, if you had some kind of cancer or if you have some kind of disease, you, you treat it, you treat it. That's what it is. And, uh, you know, unfortunately with mental health, there's still that, that stigma that, you know, you can't talk about that. You can't. Yeah, and and it's 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 very sad. It's very sad because so many people fall through the cracks, and 
and it's it's tragic and obviously this but again you know 1915 you know you you went to see a doctor for things but you didn't go for that that's for sure nope and then here is i found him in the ancestry mm. and so it says 1877-1915 so that all matches up and then it's got all of his friggin' brothers and sisters and all of that good stuff and then as far as i recall there's nothing in the gallery except for the census papers yep and then if you hit her see look it still says here girl lee it doesn't even have both children it only has one girl here and it says she was two years old. She was born in 1913. And that's not right according to the, um, the newspapers. newspapers. Right. And if you look here, back on the grave, it says here 1912 to 1915, 1913 to 1915. So it actually says that the girls were two and three mm -hmm. on their gravestones. So if that's actually the case, then they would have gotten married when she was like 12, but she didn't actually have the kids till she was like 18. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like... Again, uh, nothing changes in the grand scheme of things. I no. mean, whether they were two and three, whether they were four and six, um, I mean, the final... The, the final story is is comes to be the same thing. It it doesn't change, doesn't change one iota. But nope. it's. Um, but now this is what this is the last thing I have without having the death certificates to see what it says on there. If you look at the 1910 census for her, it says she was born in 1890. So in 1910, she was 20. Which means that in 1915, when this happened, she would have been 25. Yeah. And again, <clears throat> as much as we can be scandalized by the fact that she would have been 12. Um, but look here. Look right here. It says she's already married at this point. And it says that she's married to Monroe Lee. He's 29. And they've been married for one year. And they already had one child. Right. But if the newspaper is saying she was married for nine years, mm. and this is the census where they had to actually come knocking at your fucking door back then, right? They had to yeah. come knocking at your door. So this says one year married. Number mm. of children born already, one. Yeah, and again, I, I've said but it. But the child well, is not on the census paperwork. Well, um, which means that it but then again, look look at the bottom. It says number of children living, zero. So she may very well have had one, and it had not survived. But right? then how, how is that? Uh, maybe. Maybe. But then she had another two within the following five years. So you're right. Either way, it doesn't matter. But it's weird because, see, it doesn't all match up. Like here, they're, back there, they're married for nine years. Here, they're married for one year. You know, they had two kids. It only says one kid on the other thing. But it does say two on the grave. So, you know, I mean, I go with the newspaper and I go with the sister-in-law, obviously, saying that there were two grandchildren, two nieces. I mean, obviously, that's all legit. But, yeah, so super sad. 
I feel bad for the Monroe Leaf family. Not as much for Monroe Lee as I do for his poor wife and his kids. Because, again, he didn't need to do that. He could have just, you know, taken himself out. Or Unfortunately, none of these stories are feel-good stories. Uh, you know, the... Usually not. What we what we talk about is unfortunately um, there's usually no happy endings, no you know little stars. No, we, we do have our little laughs and giggles throughout because you know it's depressing shit and you gotta find some humor somewhere in something. But yeah, it's uh, it's not uh, it's not good times. So that's my story. And uh, okay, so I always forget to do this. So let's start with this. All right, guys. Please, if you like us and enjoy, we hope you you enjoy. Uh, please rate and review. I know that there's a whole bunch of stuff with like analytics. If you listen on an iTunes, Stitcher, stuff like that, you know, do the five star. You know, just put something stupid in the little box. Like, I don't care. I love cheese. Just put something in there. Um, but if you hit the five stars, it like you know moves us up in the charts and stuff, and it would be nice. So if you could review us, that would be great. Um, it's free. We're not asking for much. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, email is talking murder, at, uh, talking murder with my mother at Gmail. Instagram is talking murder with my mother. Twitter is at murder talking. Facebook is just talking murder with my mother podcasts. You'll find us right away. And, uh, <clears throat> again, go check out my friend Lou's podcast, depression dash. You are not alone.com. Um, they're also doing a podcast. I forgot to mention earlier mental wellness podcast. And then, of course, I'm going to do the shout-outs for the people I love. So uh, my girlfriend, Maria, you can check her out on Facebook and uh, Twitter. She's uh, Crystal Water Tarot. She's awesome. My husband, Dre, has got a movie podcast. It's called Fully Operational. It is not the Star Wars Fully Operational podcast that you may come across. It is a podcast for people who like movies, talk in movie quotes, etc. And uh, the last little shout-out I'm going to do is for myself. Um if you guys want to check out my page, I make like planters and shell ornaments and stuff like that. They're pretty cool. I just uh, made a whole bunch of them, so I'll be putting up new pictures. And that is Jolie Essan. Let me spell it for you. J-O-L-I-E-S-A-N. Jolie Essan Designs. And you can go check out some of my stuff. So, yeah, that's it. We are done, Mother. So, till next time, everyone. Yeah, I'll be visiting Ottawa for the next week. So, we will be... We'll be taking a little break, at least for an, a week or so, and um, uh, everyone keep safe as usual, um, and um, thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.